Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. This morning we are starting a series called An Introduction to the Holy Spirit. We are also doing this in our small groups. So if you are a member of a small group, this is what you're going to be studying in the next uh, six weeks or so. If you're here this morning and you're like, I'm not part of a small group, you can still sign up today. Because here's the thing, as much as this is called an introduction to the Holy Spirit... Um, maybe you're here and you're brand new to church and you're kind of like, I don't understand this whole spirit thing, this whole Holy Spirit. Sounds a little spooky and weird to me. Um, this is perfect for you. Maybe you've been in the church, you know, for a couple hundred years and you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and you go, well, I know, I know the Holy Spirit, so I'm good. Um, first off, if you're sitting beside your spouse, you probably still don't know anything, or not anything, sorry, that was wrong. You probably still don't know everything about them. Depending how your week's going, they may think you know nothing, but um, you may know, you don't know everything about your spouse, and you spend a pile of time with them. If you, M- Melissa and I, uh, we live together, uh, is just in case anybody was wondering that, um, we live together. <laughs> this is not starting off well. So, uh, yeah, I'll pray and again just in a minute. Not only do we live together, but we work together. And so we're together all the time, and there's still stuff that we're learning about each other. And so maybe you're here and you're like, no, I understand all the things about the Holy Spirit, all that kind of stuff. The introduction of the Holy Spirit will, one, teach you stuff that you probably aren't aware of, and two, it will help you communicate to people who are brand new to faith that have questions, and you'll be able to answer some of their questions that at this moment... If you tried to answer, you might speak over their heads, or you actually might not be able to um, explain actually what you believe. And this is why we do these types of small groups. And so if you want to be a part of that, you can still sign up today. The computer's at the back. If you have your smartphone device with you, you can just pull it out now and sign up, and I won't be offended. I'll just believe you're taking notes. Um, And so you can register for a small group right now on our webpage. And because so far this has been really rough, I'm going to pray. So, Father, I thank you for today. I thank you that your promises are yes and amen and that you promise to give us the words to speak and to speak them clearly. And so, Holy Spirit, I just ask you to come and just make my thoughts clear and move my tongue properly in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, introduction to the Holy Spirit. Why are we doing this series? The reason we're doing this series, I think John Bevere explains it almost the best way that I could word it in his book on page 7. And he says this. There is an error that many make. They have attempted to understand the work and the power of the Holy Spirit without first coming to know him as a person. So if you're in the room and you're like, I just don't understand this Holy Spirit. I don't don't understand the way he works. If you're trying to understand the way he works without knowing him, that's where you're getting off on the wrong foot. Has anybody here in the room, have you ever been judged by somebody who doesn't know you? Anybody? It's okay, you can confess. I think most people are like, yep, that was me. How many of you were pretty insulted and possibly offended by that? Right? Like, we're like, how many people, you know the saying, you don't know me. I'm questioning sometimes how often we critique a move of the Spirit 
or we try to evaluate it and say whether it was the Spirit or not the Spirit when we don't know the Spirit and He is insulted by it. He sits back and goes, you don't even know who I am. How can you question the way that I work and the way that I operate and the way that I move? You don't know me. And so this series is to help us understand a little bit who is he? What is his, uh, what is his purpose? What is his heart? And this way, that as we walk with him and we come into a relationship with him, we understand him in a different way. And it might actually open your eyes, your heart, and your mind to the move of the Spirit in a new way because you actually have a relationship with him. How many of you realize that you can hear a friend say something and somebody else respond and go, well, that was rude. Oh, no, you don't know who he is. That's not, it's not his heart. Right? Like, when we get to know friends, we get to understand friends, they can say something in a direct way and we receive it because we know their heart. And this is the whole idea of this introduction of the Holy Spirit. We come into a relationship with him so when he's moving and when he's operating, we understand who he is. Because if we try to evaluate it but don't know who he is, that is where we get off on the wrong foot with him. So who is the Holy Spirit? This morning we're going to start, and we're going to sort of talk for a few minutes about the Trinity. The Trinity and the Holy Spirit, and so that's God, that's Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. It's all one, but three separate. I know that sounds confusing, I understand how it makes it sound, and we'll, we'll explain a little bit as we go here. But right from the beginning, we understand that there's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you look in Genesis 1, verse 26, this is what it says. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Now how many of you realize, if I use the word us, it's more than me? I know, we're doing some deep word studies here. But, and if we use the word our, let's make human beings in our image, it's more than me. And so right from the beginning, as he created uh, humans, it was more than him. Let us create them in our image. And there's so many times in Scripture where God is recorded as saying, let us. And that's referring to the Trinity. That's referring to also a term as Godhead. It's referring to more in one. And here's how I'm going to read some Scripture verses where we begin to see all three of them together in one scenario. In, in Acts 10, verse 38, it says this, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So we see here that God anoints Jesus with the Holy Spirit. So here's three different ones that all come together. But because Jesus was on earth, he needed the power of the Holy Spirit to do what the Father showed him to do. There's going to be a lot of verses we're going to fly through today, and so if you're taking notes, I'll encourage you to write down the number reference, then the name of the book, because you won't forget the name of the book, but you'll forget numbers. Um, and so in Matthew 3, 16, verse 17, 16 and 17, it says this, Matthew 3, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Just a side note here for all the dads in the room. This verse is what stands out to me in scripture 
on how important a father's blessing is. What you need to understand is that Jesus is baptized, comes up out of the water, and this is preparing him to go into ministry. God does not say, this is my son, obey him. This is my son, follow him. He says, this is my son who brings me great joy. This is my son in whom I love. And so dads in the room, it's just important to speak your blessing over your kids, to empower them, let them know that you love them. As we look here again, we see the Godhead all together. We see all three of them, that Jesus is coming out of the water, the Spirit of God is descending upon him, and the voice is coming from heaven, the voice of God. Now, John Bevere clarifies something in his book, and I think it's a good clarification, and I like to do it right here. Um, In this scripture, a lot of us, when we think of the Holy Spirit, we have this picture in our minds and so many Christian drawings, and I understand the, the, the um, kindness behind it, but the interpretation behind it. We reference the Holy Spirit as a dove. We draw it as a dove, and every time it's a dove. And, and I have to be completely honest. When I think of Holy Spirit, I don't think of a dove. Not that I have anything against doves, but they just don't seem like, you know, powerful. And so therefore... What he brings analogy to is what we have to understand is even in this scripture, he doesn't say the Holy Spirit is a dove. He says he's descending like a dove. And I don't know about you, but I've been referred to as different things like so-and-so and and like that. And, And one of the things when I was younger, I was referred to as he's built like an ox. And I like the fact that that doesn't mean I am an ox. Being built like one's not a bad thing, but being one is not something I strive for. And so as we have to realize in Scripture, as they make references to um, the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is like, it doesn't mean that's what he is. What they're doing is trying to explain what he saw. Um, the voice for the Father came cro- uh, from heaven speaking down. A few illustrations that just help us understand how three can be one. Because I know in our heads, as we try to think Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and we try to think Trinity, like, so wait, there's three of them. No, there's one, but there are three. That makes no sense. It does. If I stood before you right now and I had an ice cube, and I had a glass of water, and I had a kettle that was steaming and there's moisture going into the air, what do I have? I have water, just in three different forms. So it's one in different forms. Now, the other thing, who had an egg for breakfast this morning? Who, who ate some eggs for this morning? Wait, raise your hand. It's okay. It just means you took time. You had a healthy breakfast. Anybody? Raise your hand nice and high. It's all good. All right. See, I've drank coffee. And so, um, but if you look in the egg, and I, I won't get you to confess this, but did any of you eat the shell this morning? I won't get you to confess, because if you did, well, that's a different message probably. Um, <laughs> But none of us, none of us, or majority of us, I'll never say nobody because maybe there's somebody, but majority of people don't eat the shell. So when you say, well, I had eggs for breakfast, nobody even thinks that you ate the shell. And even some of us will get to the point where inside the shell, we have the egg white and the yolk. But when you're having breakfast... Unless you're super healthy and you, have the, you separate it all, which is too much work for me. Um, but unless you separate it, when you say, do you want eggs for breakfast, you mean the white and the yolk together. You might scramble it, you might do it over easy, whatever you want. But you're not thinking something separate. 
And so when it comes to an egg, it's all together. But we realize there's a shell, there's a yolk, and there's the white. But we never talk about it in that way. We just refer to it as eggs. So this is the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God. But three. And so this is where we get this idea of the Trinity. And I think just thinking of an egg gives us such a great idea of how it works because again when we think of eggs we don't separate them it's just one thing so the holy spirit is part of the trinity and he's been given to us do you understand that god has given him to us in acts 5:32 it says this we are the witnesses to these things and so is the holy spirit who is given by god to those who obey him So if you obey God, he wants to give you the Holy Spirit. He wants you to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and have a relationship with him. John 14, 15 to 17, the beginning of 17, it says, If you love me, obey my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. You need to remember that part. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. So he leads us to truth. Jesus says he's going to send us an advocate, depending on your translation, a counselor, a helper. This is who Jesus is sending to us. Why is he sending him to us? John 16, 7, this is Jesus speaking. But in fact, it is best for you. Can you say best for me? It is best for you, it is best for me that I go away because if I don't go, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Do you understand that Jesus, who we all pray to, who we all want to spend time with, who we all want to to worship, he says it's better for him to leave so that He can send the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that how many of us, like, I don't know about you, but there's times when people are like, hey, if there was anybody in the Bible that you could sit down and have lunch with or you could sit down and ask some questions to, who would it be? And so many people are like, Jesus. Love just sit down, break some bread with Jesus. Jesus himself says it's better for me to go so you can have the Holy Spirit. So do we take time on a daily basis when, when many of us would be like, man, I just wish I could sit with Jesus. Do we take time to sit with Holy Spirit? Because see, here is why Jesus knew he had to leave. When Jesus was here, he was fully man. Us. So guess what he couldn't do? He couldn't be everywhere all the time. So if you wanted some help, if you needed to, to sit down and ask him a question, if he didn't leave where he was from, you would have to get on a plane and fly there. And because it's Jesus and it's the Son of God, how many people think there might be a lineup? <laughs> and I'm thinking he's not going to give us a whole lot of time just because he can't. So Jesus knows because he's human... He had to leave. So he leaves and he goes to heaven. So in this moment, Jesus is in heaven. 
Jesus is in heaven. The Holy Spirit is the one that's here with us. So if Jesus is in heaven, how do we know that he's in heaven? Well, in Mark 16, 19, it says, When the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at, his, at God's right hand. Now, see, this is where many of us, we grew up in the church, or you're new to the church, you're like, hold on a second. Didn't we pray and ask Jesus to come into our heart? So therefore, Jesus lives right here. This is what we pray, and I realize it's words, but really it's the Spirit of Jesus that comes in us. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of the Lord that lives in our lives. Jesus is actually in heaven. So if that's confusing, I understand because of the words we've chosen to use, but it's the words we use. The Spirit is in us. God, Jesus, is in heaven, sitting beside his Father. We realize this because in Acts 1, it recounts the same situation, starting at verse 9. It says, after saying this, he was taken up into the cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they, were, as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Am I the only one that would get freaked out about that? That we're just standing watching the sky and all of a sudden two guys dressed in white standing there? Just, it would freak me out. <clears throat> Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So one day Jesus is coming back, and he's going to come back in an instant, and he's going to come back and take us to him. But in this moment, at this time, he is sitting beside God, his Father. The disciples understood and they received the Holy Spirit earlier in their walk with the Lord because Jesus says, it says in Scripture that Jesus breathed on them the Holy Spirit. And in Acts 2, they were then baptized. And so this is why we understand that there's two encounters with the Holy Spirit. There's the first one as we receive him at salvation. And then there's a baptism which it fills us with his power. Now, if you've ever been at the front of a church and somebody was praying over you and they breathed on you, they blew on you, this is where they're getting that reference from. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. This is just where they get it from. If you're going to blow on somebody, use a breath mint. And, um, but this is where they get it from. I'm not going to say it's right or wrong, but this is the reference why they do it. But to prove that Jesus is in heaven, because some of us still think, no, no, Chad, Jesus is here with me. He's living in my heart. And I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm just wanting to identify the importance of the Holy Spirit in your daily relationship because it's like... It's like all of us sitting when somebody's right there that we should be talking to and instead we're on our phones texting somebody else. We all look at that and go, that's so disrespectful. But yet we do it to the Holy Spirit all the time. We sit and he's right here with us and we pray to Jesus. No, don't get me wrong. Pray to Jesus. It's good. It's healthy. It's right. But don't forget Holy Spirit who's right here with you. So Stephen in Acts 7, verse 55 to 56, Stephen is getting uh, stoned to death. And this is what the scriptures tell us. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, 
I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. So right here, as Stephen is getting stoned to death, I don't know about you, but if Jesus wanted to um, comfort me and he was here, I would rather him show himself standing beside me, standing beside Stephen as he's getting stoned. But that's not what Stephen sees. He doesn't see Jesus stand beside him saying, okay, I'm in this with you. He sees Jesus standing in heaven beside the Father. And so therefore, this is how we know Jesus is not here with us. He's in heaven, and that's why he sent the Holy Spirit, so that we could hear from him, we could understand him, we know what he does. And so this brings us to the other point. What does the Holy Spirit do? What what he does. In John 16, verse 13 to 15, it says this. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. So he guides us to the truth. He tells us what God is speaking, and he tells us whatever he receives from Jesus. So just as Jesus, and we'll read the scripture in a minute, just as Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father doing, that was through the Holy Spirit telling Jesus, here is what is supposed to be done. And so therefore, when we talk and we, when we say to one another, oh, I heard the voice of God, I heard God say to me, Jesus told me this, you're actually hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, and he's revealing truth to you. And so we hear from the Spirit what Jesus, what God wants to tell us, and then we're supposed to put it into action. John 5, 19 says this, so Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, The Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. So just as the Holy Spirit communicated to him, he now communicates to us. And this is how we understand and this is how we hear from God is through the Holy Spirit. And this is why it's so important to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit because if we don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, we won't understand his voice, we won't identify his voice. And when the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, majority of the time, I don't know about you, but what I have to try to figure out is this the Holy Spirit speaking? Is it my flesh or is it the enemy distracting me? And sometimes the only way I can tell is because the enemy will never push me towards God. And if it's the Lord, if it's the Holy Spirit speaking to me, it should direct me into good. It should direct me into the Lord. It should be able to follow up and identify with some scripture. And then sometimes, is it my own flesh? And honestly, sometimes the way I interpret that is if it's to do something good, I just do it. And because the Bible tells me anything that I do that is good comes from the Lord. So Chad, are you telling me if somebody, if I just feel in my heart I'm supposed to go say hi to somebody, that could be the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. Doesn't have to be deep and re- no. It could be as simple as, "Hey, go shake hands with that person. Just go say hi, smile at them, and say it's good to see you here today." You mean that's the Holy Spirit? Is it telling you to do something nice? Yeah. Then yes. This can be as simple as that. So what else does he do? In First Corinthians twelve, we understand in verse uh, four to seven, it says this. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. 
There are differences of ministry, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but the same God, who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for profit of all. So here, what we see is we see all three again working together. So there's diversities of gifts, but there's one Spirit, the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but the same God, who all work together. So John Bevere, he breaks it down this way on page 15 of his book. Uh, He explains it kind of this way. The Father operates. He initiates things. The Son, he kind of administrates it, and the Holy Spirit manifests it. He brings it to life. And so if you think about it, in the book, he goes on to try to bring it to our terms and our understanding. If we were trying to build a house or a church, we would have somebody who's an architect. An architect would design it, lay it out. This is what it's going to look like. That would be God. And then we would have somebody like a foreman, somebody on site working with people, overseeing what the Father wants, and that's Jesus. And then there's the Holy Spirit who's getting it done, the worker, who's moving around, making sure things are in place. And see, when we look at this, we understand because it goes down into first, in 1 Corinthians 12, it continues after that. It lists a whole bunch of different gifts. And then in verse 11, it says, all these are, work, are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each just as he determines. So he actually decides who gets what gifts. He determines who gets what gifts. Well, does he show favoritism? No. But he understands who is able to do certain things and who's not. Amen. Well, that sounds insulting. Well, it's not insulting. Because just because you're not good at one thing doesn't mean you stink at everything. Like, realize, if we look at certain things, if we, if we stay with building the church, if we just stay with building a building, a home, whatever you want, I do not want to hire an electrician to install my toilet and shower. Just the same as I don't want to hire a plumber to install my electrical panel. Is that because they're horrible? No, it's because they're very talented and gifted and trained in what they're supposed to do. Now, I understand there's tradesmen in the room, and I know there's plumbers and electricians in the room, so I understand that you're super handy, and you can actually manage to do both, so just follow the illustration, I understand. (laughs) But if we think about it, we don't want to assign something to somebody that's not called and gifted to do it. Simple illustration for you when it comes to church life. I know what God has called me to do and what he's not asked me to do. One of the things he's not asked me to do is lead you in worship. And you can say amen to that. That is okay. Right? Some of them have heard when I forget to mute my mic or something. 90% of the time, if you see my mouth moving during worship, it's mouthing the words because nobody wants to be close to me, including my wife. And so I don't clap on beat. Does that mean I don't desire something like that? I confessed in the first service, so I'll confess to you. There are moments when there's nobody in the building, and I know that because I locked the doors, that I come in here and I might slide into that drum cage and hit some things. I ain't doing it. (laughs) And I hit some things. Does that sound good to anybody else? No. But it's fun for me. And so here is what I've learned. I have learned that I can be upset with God 
that I cannot clap on beat, that I can't play an instrument, and I can't sing, and I can't lead you in worship. I can be upset with him. Because I'll be honest, there's a part of me inside that still prays, Lord, can you just like change my voice so I can sing? And once in a while, we're driving in the car, don't look like that, Jake, that was really bad. (laughs) Sorry, he just gave a really bad face. I don't call most people out, but that one hurt. Um, And so there's times where I'm driving with Melissa in the car and I'm like, hey, can we try this one more time? And then she'll even work with me on stuff. Her heart is right. And then I'm trying and, and she's just like... Yeah, let's do something else. (laughs) And so I'm not insulted by it because I know what he's asked me to do. And if I'm not faithful in what he's asked me to do, then I'm missing out on what he's gifted me. And how many of us at work, at home, something like that, maybe it's at work, and in the last week, maybe in the new year, you were expecting a job promotion to hear, but you got one to hear, and you're kind of insulted by it. But what you don't realize is your boss wasn't demoting you. He didn't see something negative in you. He actually saw something positive, and he's empowering you in something, even though it might not be what you wanted. Because, see, here's the thing. I could strive as much as I want for what God hasn't called me to. But I'm not going to fulfill my life because he's called me to something else. And so we have to trust the Holy Spirit that he's empowering you with the gifts you are supposed to have, not necessarily want. Does that make sense? We need to understand that it's not an insult, it's empowerment. And too often do I think we're insulted or upset with God when he's actually trying to make you grow into what he's called you to be and you need to expand and understand who he is and the gift and the calling he has on your life to use you in a way that will blow your mind but you need to trust him more than your own desires. Because see, 2 Corinthians, it goes on to say this in verse 13. It says, or sorry, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 16, it says, But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. There's freedom. When you have the Spirit of the Lord in your life, there's freedom in your life. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see the glory of the Lord, and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Now, do you understand, if you have the Spirit in your life, there's freedom for you. But here's the incredible thing. Not only do we receive freedom, but we have the ability to reflect that freedom to other people. We are what they see. So there's times in our lives where we have the Spirit of God in us. It doesn't mean everything's wonderful. It doesn't mean everything's great. But we reflect the glory of the Lord. So there's moments in our lives where people will watch and say, how did you make it through that? 
How did, how, did, how did your kids get through that? How did your marriage get through that? How did you, how did you deal with that at work? How did, you, how did you get through this struggle? And if we reflect the glory of the Lord, we're able to share that it's because of the things of the Lord. See, I asked this of the church a few years ago, and I've done it with students when I was in youth ministry, and too often... When we try to explain our walk with the Lord, we talk about things that we can't and don't do. So I've challenged people, if somebody asks you what separates you from a non-believer, somebody who doesn't know Jesus, what separates you from them, I would love for you to write out what separates you without using the words can't and don't. So instead of telling people, well, what separates me from a non-believer? Well, I don't do this or I can't do that. Like, I don't know about you. You rhyme off a few of those and I'm already out. I don't want to. Do you know that in the midst of struggles, I get to know that I'm never alone? Do you know that in the midst of hard times, even though I don't know the answer and I don't know how it's going to work out, that I get to journey with somebody who does? Do you know that through difficult seasons and and tough times, that every week I get to come to a building, I get to come to a place where there's people who have the same beliefs as I do who will encourage me? Sometimes they don't even know it. Sometimes it's a smile. Sometimes it's a handshake. Sometimes... It's just a song. Sometimes it's just sitting in the room. This is what I get to do because I'm a part of a family, a church family. We all have the same father. Well, that sounds really interesting because my family's weird. Well, so, so is ours. But there's something about having the Spirit of God in our lives, the freedom that that brings to our lives, the strengthening that brings, the encouragement that brings, the confidence that that brings. And if you're struggling as you start 2020 just to go, Chad, I just, I'm, I don't know what that is. I want that freedom. I want that peace. It's more of the Spirit of God in our lives. It's allowing Him, as the Scripture says, He makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. This is what He does. And as I spend time with the Holy Spirit, I will begin to reflect. It's so nice for me that it doesn't mean I have to work at something. I just have to spend time with him. Do you know the scriptures tell us that if we abide in the vine in John, he writes that if, Jesus said, if we abide in the vine, if we stay connected to the vine, which is Jesus, if we stay connected to him, it doesn't say we might. It says we will bear fruit. I know it's wintertime right now, but next summer over here by our parking lot, there's trees And just because the trees grow, the branches produce pears and apples. The branches don't have to do anything. They're just connected. If you stay connected to the Holy Spirit, you will reflect his image. You will begin to look more like Christ.
He will show you. He will mold you. He will make you. He will help you. One of the ways he does it, he does convict us. He will convict you. He will not condemn you. He will not condemn you, but he will convict you. He will tell you that's wrong. He will tell you that was a white lie. He will tell you that was a full-out lie. He will tell you what you have done wrong, but he will not condemn you. The way I separate that, he will tell me what I've done wrong. He will not tell me I am that. So if I lied, he will tell me I lied. He will not call me a liar. And so if you're trying to figure out the difference, the voices, that is one. If he tells you you did something wrong, that's God. If he's identifying you with it, that's the enemy. And God will convict you so you look more like him. But you will shape your heart with the more time you spend with him. And so I challenge you as we begin this series, spend time with him. You have the time. You just have to make it a priority. And so we need him in our lives. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit over just the relationship with the Holy Spirit. We're going to get into that later in the series, the difference between receiving the Holy Spirit at salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit later. We'll share that in another message. But he is here with us, and we need to have a relationship with him so we can understand him and walk with him and reflect who we are in Christ and reflect Christ to others. Can we pray together? Prayer team, if you're in the room, if you want to come to the front. Father, I thank you for the privilege and honor just to come into your house this morning, to worship you, to celebrate who you are. And Holy Spirit, as we begin to understand who you are, what you're here for, and why you're here, we just want to make sure that we take time to get to know you, to worship you, to celebrate who you are, to speak with you, and to allow you to shape our hearts and shape our lives, that we will be able to reflect Jesus, no matter where we go, help us to be more like you every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.